0: And back here this morning, interview time here on Worcester Radio and our guest this morning, our frequent guest from the OSU Extension Office here in Wayne County talking agriculture is Rory Lewandowski. Rory, as always, good morning. Good morning, Ron. Glad to be here. Well, today's topic with Rory is going to be evaluation and fertilization of winter wheat stands. First off, Rory, as we get started, what's involved in a stand evaluation and what should growers be a
1: looking at and b looking for right uh, well winter wheat stands should be evaluated after green up uh, for yield potential based on a stand count uh, first of all and then uh, secondly an assessment of weed pressure both those things obviously can affect the yield potential uh, so this year again we're a little bit ahead of schedule things are greening up uh, the recommendation from Laura Lindsay OSU extension small grain and soybean production specialist is to do stand count evaluation after wheat fields are completely green from about 10 to 14 days of warmer temperature now typically uh, winter wheat uh, does break dormancy once soil temperatures have warmed at 39 degrees Fahrenheit or higher and uh, we actually kind of are at those levels already uh, stand evaluations are a little more accurate when they're made during weather conditions that are promoting wheat growth. So again, uh, good timing right now to get out and do some of that.
0: Well, let's look at the stand count portion of a spring evaluation first. How are those stand counts made, and how do those numbers correlate to, to yield potential? Is there a threshold number used to determine if a stand is is kept or rotated out and then replanted as another crop? And, and if so, what is that threshold number?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, small grains, and of course that includes wheat, uh, can compensate for reduced stands. Uh, They have this ability to tiller. Uh, So we don't actually need a 100% stand to maintain the possibility of getting a maximum yield. Uh, We can accept some reduction in a plant population. So ideally, uh, we'd like to see 30 to 35 plants per square foot. uh, But we find uh, with research uh, that yield potential really doesn't go... Below that 100% potential until there are less than 25 plants per square foot. And now, from an economic standpoint, uh, we use this threshold of 15 plants per square foot. Uh, that represents potential yield of 75%, and again, that's typically uh, a number that's been used economically to say keep or don't keep a stand. So, keep the stand if you have 15 or more stand, 15 or more plants per square foot. Uh, consider replanting to another crop if it's below that number. Uh, Another important consideration when you're evaluating the yield potential is to do stand counts in multiple areas of the field. So uh, things can vary. So again, we want to take an average of the field. Uh, So check 10 to 15 different random spots uh, for every 25 to 30 acres of wheat field. Now, if you don't have a square, uh, the number of tillers in a square foot is equal to the number of tillers in a linear portion of row. So we could say uh, the number of of tillers, you count in 19.2 inches of wheat that's been planted in seven, fo- seven and a half inch rows, which is pretty common. Or if you plant wheat in 15 inch rows, uh, count the number of, of plants and tillers in 9.6 inches a row, that will equal plants per square foot as well.
0: Rory, are there any situations in which a grower may decide to keep a lower yield potential wheat crop?
1: Yeah, Ron, that's a, a good point. Uh, I can think of at least two situations where a wheat stand, uh, maybe with below that 75% yield potential, might be kept to harvest. Uh, the first would be weather conditions, uh, similar to what we saw last spring. Uh, it, we had growers that uh, decided they probably needed to terminate a stand. The weather didn't let them get out and do it, and so they ended up taking that stand to harvest. Uh, the second situation that that crop might be kept is really because of the need for or the market uh, for straw so some farms uh, keep a lower yield potential wheat crop because they need that straw for livestock bedding. Uh, in other cases uh, last few years wheat straw prices have been uh, really high uh, and so getting some straw for that can supplement income from a lower grain yield and still result in a positive economic return from that field uh, but however, just the caution there, anytime that yield potential is lower as a result of fewer plants per square foot, you've got to think that, uh, you know, weeds could come in. So you've got to think about uh, potential weed pressure.
0: Rory Lewandowski talking again about evaluating and fertilizing winter wheat stands. Uh, assessment of wheat uh, pressure was the other part of wheat stand evaluation mentioned uh, at the beginning of today's program, Roy. What can you describe about evaluating a stand for potential weed issues? And again, uh, the thresholds, what kind, when you're talking about that, are, are used?
1: Yeah. So once again, uh, once that gr- grower has decided to keep that weed stand, the next management decision is to determine if some form of weed control might be needed. Uh, the main weeds of concern are our winter annual weeds. And again, as we've gotten some warmer temperatures recently, uh, those Winter annual weeds are up and growing. In particular, we think about things like purple dead nettle, henbit, uh, and chickweed. Other weeds that you're going to want to scout for include things like wild garlic or onion, uh, dandelion, and even Canada thistle. Uh, We do encourage, again, scouting at least 10 random spots uh, per 30 acres of wheat field. And in each spot, uh, then evaluate a 10 foot by 10 foot area. If weeds cover more than 5% of that area, and certainly if they're they're covering, you know, 10 to 30%, uh, an herbicide application is going to be justified. Now, another way to evaluate uh, weed pressure would be to use a one-foot square. Again, you'd pick random locations across the field, uh, toss that square out there, and then count the number of weeds uh, in that one-foot square. If the field is averaging at least one broadleaf weed and or three grass weeds per square foot, consider an herbicide application. In some fields, uh, it may not be necessary to treat the entire field. You may come across just uh, patches of weeds that need to be controlled, again, while the rest of the field does not need an herbicide application. So that's another benefit of getting out there and doing some scouting. Rory, do you have specific herbicide recommendations
0: if a grower identifies a weed problem and then needs to make an application?
1: We do. Um, So the Ohio, Indiana, and Illinois Weed Control Guide has a great section on weed management strategies for small grains, uh, including specific herbicide recommendations uh, that are matched up with with weeds. So herbicides are rated by their effectiveness in controlling either winter annual, summer annual, or perennial weeds. Uh, That weed control guide bulletin is available to purchase, or, or I can help a grower with a recommendation once they've identified their specific weed species that are problems on their fields.
0: The final thing we're going to talk about today deals with fertilization. So Rory, how are spring fertilizer needs of a wheat crop determined?
1: Right. And I think uh, this year we have some wheat stands out there that really do have some pretty good yield potential. So this uh, fertilizer uh, application is important. And the the nutrient we really focus on with wheat is nitrogen. Uh, After wheat is greened up, Uh, Nitrogen can be applied at any time. The field is fit for application equipment uh, up until about uh, growth stage of Feek 7. Uh, Feek 7 is described as two visible nodes uh, on the wheat plant. The Tri-State Fertilizer Recommendation Bulletin provides nitrogen recommendations that are based on a wheat yield goal. So, for example, for a 65 bushel yield goal, uh, 66 pounds of nitrogen per acre is recommended. If you have a yield goal of uh, 75, 85, or 95 bushels per acre, those recommended rates are 84, uh, 100, and 115 pounds of nitrogen per acre. There is a formula available for that. Again, be glad to provide that to anyone. Uh, You also have to keep in mind that any nitrogen that was applied in the fall at planting uh, are going to be subtracted from these total nitrogen recommendations.
0: Rory, because we're in a county where livestock agriculture is so vital... I've got to ask, can the nitrogen needs of wheat be met by applying livestock manure? Is that something you can do?
1: Yeah, Ron, that's a a great question. So there's actually been quite a bit of research uh, done here in Ohio using livestock manure as a spring top dress fertilizer on wheat. Um, Most of that research uh, has really been done with liquid manure, and the key to using manure is to know the nutrient analysis of the manure. So you've got to know uh, those nutrients in there. With wheat, again, we're especially interested in the nitrogen content of manure. Nitrogen in manure is generally in two forms. Uh, We have a readily available ammonia portion uh, that we get some immediate benefit from, and then we have a mineralizable uh, organic portion. Uh, Because we're applying this so early in the year, that mineralizable portion really uh, depends upon warmer soil temperatures. So for wheat nitrogen needs, uh, really only that readily available ammonia portion is what we count on for the, the wheat crop.
0: Rory, are there any differences between livestock manures regarding nitrogen content? Uh, and beyond that, are there any other application considerations that we need to talk about today?
1: Yeah, the, again, uh, good questions as we look at this use of manure. So hog manure uh, certainly has considerably higher nitrogen content than dairy manure. Uh, if dairy manure is going to be used as a nitrogen source, uh, some things that our research ha- have uh, shown is that you may want to add a commercial liquid nitrogen source, like 28%, uh, to supplement the manure, uh, that nitrogen in the manure. The other considerations uh, is that we do have to count for the phosphorus uh, that we're applying along with the nitrogen. And the big key here as we look at water quality issues, uh, do not apply more phosphorus than the wheat crop is expected to use. So look at the crop removal rate. And finally, OSU research uh, definitely shows that manure nitrogen efficiency was increased when that manure can be incorporate it with a toolbar that either shallowly opens the soil uh, or gets it into the soil just a little bit. So uh, again in the research even though it looks like there's some disruption to the growing wheat by the time you get to harvest uh, the wheat is compensated and there's no difference between uh, manured and, and commercial fertilizer plots.
0: Rory Levandusky again our guest in studio today joining us here on Behind the Scenes from the OSU Extension Office. Rory how can someone get more information about today's topic?
1: Sure, they can contact me at the Wayne County Extension Office at 330-264-8722. And again, these broadcasts are available as podcast, courtesy of WQKT Radio.
0: Rory, as always, appreciate the time.
1: Thank you, Ron.